Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Kona Shame Show. Guys, I got a super fun episode for you today with my friend Jada Lewis, CVT. Jada's a professional writer, she's a freelancer, she's a content creator, she does social media, she does all types of marketing and communication stuff. She's written a great article over on DrAndyRourke.com, it's one of my all-time favorites, you'll hear us talk about it. It's a fun, fun episode. You know what's not fun, fun? Missing the April Uncharted Conference. If you don't know, Uncharted is my passion project. I've been doing it for three years. It is a business development leadership uh, community. And the biggest mistake I ever made was calling it a conference because it's so much more than that. It's kind of a conference that never ends. It is a community. It is a tribe. It is a group of crazy, supportive, positive people who just want you to be successful and they want your practice to be successful. And we, uh, we hold each other up. We hold each other accountable. We support. We cheer on. And we also get a ton of training and uh, helpful resources for practices out there. In April, we have our conference. It's marketing and strategy is all about making practices grow. It's 100% sold out. And so you're like, why are you telling me this, Andy? Why are you telling me about a conference that's sold out? Guys, we record this so you can find it in our online school. You can watch the workshops on your own time, but we live stream it. You can watch it live from Greenville, South Carolina, starting April 23rd. That's a Thursday. I'm doing opening remarks. I'm kicking the conference off. And then Friday, Dr. Betsy Charles, the one and only Dr. Betsy Charles, is doing our opening keynote, Embrace a Reset to Resilience. I'm following her with the live stream of my uh, public speaking course. I'm doing a public speaking course. It's called Leading with Your Voice, How to Get Groups to Listen. It's 100 minutes long. It is going to be super active and engaging. Dr. Adam Little, who's our speaker of the year last year, is following after me on the live stream. We'll have our Choose Your Own Adventure sessions, which are sessions we make up at the conference based on what people want. You'll get to see some of those, but I can't tell you what they are because we haven't made them up yet. Our mic drop sessions are coming. Uh, the one and only Sanani Ratnayaka is uh, speaking the next day on the live stream. Bill Schroeder is on the live stream the next day. Vicki Hammond, who is a marketing consultant, and she is incredible. She is speaking. She's uh, She uh, consults for a variety of industries, and she's going to be doing a workshop on how to act large and be small. And then we got more mic drops. And that's just the live stream. The other workshops uh, with uh, people like uh, Kelsey Beth Carpenter, the one and only Vet Tech Kelsey, she's doing workshop there. It will be uh, in our online community. It will be one of our watch parties, and she'll be there to sort of watch and answer, uh, and, and answer questions. And we all watch it together, but that will be a thing that will be happening after the conference is over. Dr. Mark Nunez will be there. The one and only Stephanie Goss is going to be doing But Can I Afford It? Practice Finance and Planning, um, and that, that will be another watch party. So anyway, lots and lots and lots of online stuff that goes along with our conference. If you become an Uncharted member, you get to watch it. You get to see it all. You get to see our whole school. You get to see our previous conferences because they're in there. You will get to see our October conference, which is the Get Shit Done Conference, which is all about getting stuff done in your practice. It's all about operations. You'll get to see that. You'll get to see intensive courses. You'll get to see my brand building courses. You'll get to see my strategic planning courses. Any of those things that you're interested in, you'll have access to all of them. All you got to do is head over to unchartedvet.com and get signed up for a membership. That's unchartedvet.com. Get in for one year. You will love it. Uh, it's really um, a special place. Anyway, with that, let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the 
cone of shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Hey gang, I am here with the one and only Jada Lewis. Jada is a CVT and she is a professional writer. She's been a professional writer and copywriter for the last four years or so. And she has written one of my all-time favorite articles that was on the Dr. Andy Rourke site. It's called 12 Things Not to Do in Veterinary Medicine If You Want to Be Sane. And I think that there is so much wisdom here and I love the things that you just put your finger on. And I thought that this would be a fun thing just to jump on with you, Jada, and talk through um, kind of where your head's at and kind of why you pick these things. Awesome. Um, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I wrote this. Um, one of the biggest reasons I wrote this is because as a vet tech, we deal with so much stress in a day in between compassion fatigue and burnout and crazy clients and you name it. Like we deal with it. The other thing that vet techs deal with all the time we self-sabotage. Okay. So I wrote this thinking, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we can help ourselves out by stopping a few things that we tend to do as vet techs. And maybe we'd have a little less stress in our lives. Oh yeah. What, what I loved about this piece was that you clearly wrote it for vet techs and (laughs) I did not read it that way at all. Uh, You know, it's a hundred percent for me. This is, uh, I think this is an amazing list for veterinarians and for practice managers as as well. So I, I love that you wrote it through the vet tech lens. And I think that that's awesome. I think everybody will see themselves in this. Yes, I think everybody can uh, take a few things away. Yeah. Let's start with the, So these are the things not to do in practice, if you want to be sane. Uh, what's, your, what's your favorite? What's the one that calls out to you that, uh, that we should talk about first? Well, as I wrote it... Um, the very first thing I thought of was the number one thing I put on there was save every pet. Cause it's kind of a cliche in the sense that as vet techs, as vets, you go in because you do want to save every pet. Um, but I think there's this kind of like fine line between inundating yourself with the extras, like taking home all the kittens and fostering them or, or trying to really putting all your effort into a patient that probably isn't going to live where you could maybe step back and work with another patient. Um, there's things like that. I think we could really take away and, and again, help with that compassion fatigue to be on the serious note of it. Yeah. I, I love that you started with this. So, uh, so do not save every pet. I have an article called is something like you can't save all the pets. It, mm-hmm. And it's, it's exactly to that point. We, and there's sort of two pieces of this for me, right? Um, we think that we have so much more control in the world than we do, right? Absolutely. Like the idea that we can choose to save these pets, like this is in our power, that's often ridiculous. And we can't make the pet owner do anything. And we don't have the ability to bend time and space. And like we don't decide life and death a lot. But I think a lot of us, especially perfectionists among us, are like, I can do this. And if I don't do it, it's because I did something wrong. Right. And that's, I think that goes really hand in hand with compassion fatigue. If we can't let go of that at some rate, then that's how it builds up and builds up. So yeah, absolutely. We have to let go. One thing I personally did is whenever it came time to deal with the euthanasia side and we knew that that's where we're going, 
in my head, I just took a step back. I said a little prayer and I said, okay, you know, I just had to let it go. And I think that's really important. Yeah. I, I think acceptance is something that we all really have to work on because we have, we have such limited control. And then the other part you hit on this, I think when you talked about, um, burnout, the personal boundaries part, you know, I feel like a lot of times we have this expectation of like, if there's a pet that, that can't have care or needs a home that we are obligated to take that pet. And if we don't, then we're not doing what we're supposed to do. And that's, that's really, it's a dicey thing to sort of just throw out there. We talked about it in one of the earlier podcasts I did with Sarah Boston. We talked about emotional blackmail and we talked about how we lean on each other. Like who's going to take this kitten that needs a home. Mm -hmm. And it ends up being the poor vet tech that has got eight other cats at home. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. And we end up in these situations where we work so hard at work and then we go home and what do we do? We work some on our own pets. Yep. Yeah. So I think it's just limiting, like just, you got to have some type of fallback in your head or some type of, you know, stopping point. Like, okay, my house is full. Okay. My heart is full, you know, and when, when a spot opens up, then I'll, I'll try hard. And it's not to say you don't try hard at work every day and you, and you don't do the best that you can, but you can't save them all. No, I, I I agree. I think that one of the mantras that has helped me a lot in life and in practice is uh, just sort of telling myself, I am good enough. Like I I am mm-hmm. I'm good. You know what I mean? I am I'm good enough. If this pet uh, dies, I I am good enough. You know, like like I I am not going to take that as catastrophic failure or a meaning about my personal worth. I, I just can't, I, I think, I think probably a lot of us have been down that road where there are things that are outside of our control that happen and we take it as a personal testimonial. And I think that's a really, it's a hard way to live and it looks, it looks good, right? You're like, Oh, I'm going to keep pushing myself. You know what I mean? And yeah. I am going to save all the pets. And if, <laughs> if, if, a, if we can't save this pet, I'm going to go back and think about what I could have done differently. Yep. And that's, that's good up to a point, I think a lot of us go way past that point to the point that we are, we are sort of struggling with our own, own feelings of worthiness and worthiness and worth, (laughs) you know what I mean? Because we don't save all the pets. I love that you, I love that you put that, that first sort of, and that was, that was a little serious. I didn't want to make it too serious, but it is so true. (laughs) The rest of it gets funny. The article is is hilarious. It, It is you do a wonderful job of writing something that is uplifting and fun. Um, but it all, but it also does make, does make really good points. Yes. So you said, uh, worry is one of the things that we should avoid. What, like, what do you mean when you say that? Oh my gosh. I mean, how can you not worry in a day as a vet tech, uh, worry about, whether it's the pets or your coworkers, or are you going to get a raise or are you going to be able to go uh, on your vacation that you planned? I mean, it's so hard to not worry uh, in general um, or just like your surgeries. Like I said in, in the article, like your surgery day, that was one thing I would always worry about. Am I going to get through all my surgeries? Am I going to make it out on time? Are my pets going to make it home on time? And it, 
once I kind of let go of the worry and just, I'm going to do what I'm going to do when I do it and how I do it, um, you know, you release a lot of tension. And especially like, I really go back to my first year in practice. I was a hot mess. A hot mess. I didn't grasp things very easily. I, I mean, I passed my certification like with no problem, although I thought I was going to fail. And then when I got into practice, I'm like, what am I doing? And, and I actually there was this point where the lead technician was pregnant. The other technician had to get her tonsils out or something ridiculous. And it was literally me for a month on my own. And I was like, what do I, I almost cried every day. I couldn't sleep. I hardly oh, ate. No. It was awful. But the thing is I made it through. And then I got like a little bonus at the end. Like, no, you did a good job. And I'm like, but it was so awful. So it's <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> it's one of those things where the worry did nothing, did nothing for that month. It did nothing for the pets. It did nothing for my surgeries. Um, so I think sometimes you, you got to figure out how to just kind of zone in and not worry. I don't know. Oh God. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're so true. The thing that <laughs> happened to me last week was I had to, um, I had to, I had to call this, this owner and I thought that, that he was probably going to be upset and the worrying about the phone call was so much worse than actually talking to this guy. I've done this a long time and I knew I was doing it. Like I yeah. knew I, I was like this. I, why am I stressing about this? Mm -hmm. it, it, in a lot of ways, it is what it is. Like I'm going to tell him what I have to tell him. Like sure. there's, you know, <laughs> I can try to figure <laughs> out the, the best way to do it, but ultimately it's going to be what it's going to be. And I'm going to tell him and it's going to go better than I think it is because it always does. Uh -huh. But the stress of calling this guy was like two hours while I did other things. <laughs> and the actual phone call was 12 minutes and it was fine. <laughs> I've been there. Totally yeah. been there. <laughs> but I love, no, I love your point. At some point we make a plan, right? We, we make a plan and then we're going to, we just do it. And worrying about it is just not helpful. Not at all. Um, skip a vacation. Okay. I don't know who does this, but I hear people skip vacations. Like they don't take their vacation time. They don't try to, uh, that's, this isn't me, but I just, I, I heard that this happens. <laughs> I didn't take a vacation for about four years. Okay. You're insane. Yeah. So. I, it's totally, yeah, not, and I don't, <laughs> I, and let me just stop right here. I don't throw that out like a badge of honor because that is, nice. I, that is something that I look back and go, I missed a trick there so i don't want people to be like oh yeah because i think a lot of times we do throw this out like i haven't taken a vacation in forever i never stop working that's no not no you got and it doesn't have to be something fancy like literally a week off from work like just go hide in a corner probably way better for you <laughs> mm -hmm. it's true but we do you know i know so many people i mean especially veterinarians that are like paid on production they're mm -hmm. like oh man if i if i go on vacation then I'm not going to be generating income and I'm not going to make that money. And I think, you know, in the short term, you're like, okay, if I go to work, I get this paycheck and this is good, right? Like you can see it. Mm -hmm. You don't see the long-term downside of yeah. not doing this. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's subtle. It's that burnout that comes after a couple of years and you have a really hard time getting your head back straight and, and getting positive again. You know what I mean? Like you just, yeah, you reach that deep burnout level that like one week off is not going to fix. 
you kind of needed to stay away from it the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. So whoever you are that doesn't take a vacation, get to it. <laughs> oh, totally. and I and I love your point about about the staycation. Like I think a lot of times we think about like going on vacation, we think it's going to cost a grand or a couple grand to go and get the family. I think your point about just you can be at home, mm-hmm. but just getting away from work. Yep. I, I think that's good for the soul. Or even just um, changing your routine. I'm a creature of habit. I love routine. I I kind of also don't have an option with two young kids. Um, you know, they, <laughs> yeah. But I find ways now, um, as a writer, I, I do have much more flexibility. I'm very, very thankful for that. But even in that, what's really funny for me personally is my weekends don't change from my week. So I have to find stuff to change up on the weekends. Cause I'm up at the same time. My kids do the same type of routine. So it's like, okay, now that it's Saturday and I'm supposed to relax. Um, I got to find other ways to, to, to do some activities or do things that don't, that, that make it a difference, I guess it's kind of yeah. hard to explain, but no, you know, it's, yeah. it's true. Like my, so my oldest daughter is 11 and she okay. has gotten up, at 6.30 every day for the last 11 years, you know, Mm -hmm. every day she gets up. And so even if she comes and turns on the TV or whatever in that, like my house starts at the same time. And I live that life now where sleeping in is (laughs) 7am. And that is me. the weekends feel a lot like the weekdays. And then as soon as I get up, little people are asking me for a smoothie <laughs> or, you know, just something that they can't get themselves. Yep. And it just, yeah. You, and yeah, I don't know. The, the, the weekday mornings are hustling them off to school. The weekend mornings are hustling them off to volleyball games, which essentially feel the same to me. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, just breaking that routine. I, I, I'm with you. I think that's something we all should be thinking about. Yeah, once in a while, I'm I'm able to get the husband to like. Can you get up? Because my little guy, he's almost three, and so he's an early riser. He's up between six and six thirty. So I'm always <laughs> yeah. like, but here's what happens. I'm like, honey, you know, can you get up with him? He's like, sure, I'll get up with him in the morning. That's the day he sleeps in. I, <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, it's happened every uh, the last like three four months. Every time, every time. Oh yeah. Well, what's happening is your husband is having secret nighttime meetings with him. Like I, it's, it has to be. He whispers like, "Hey, just, just just stay in bed. You're fine." I yeah. will buy you whatever you want <laughs> if you stay in bed. <laughs> it has to be. It's definitely. It. <laughs> Join social media groups for dog breeders. I find this so uplifting. <laughs> uplifting. <laughs> what do you join them? No, God, no. no, no. I'm sorry. No, I'm totally kidding. So, yeah. So, no, one of yours was join social media groups for dog breeders. Oh, God, no. I, I don't, I do not, I do not look. I, like, I can't, I cannot. You can't. I know. I, and people are like, we should know what the dog breeders are saying. I'm like, look, if, if you have that emotional fortitude, like, good on you. I, I don't want to know because it just upsets me and I cannot, I'm not going to change their opinion and I'm not going to change what they're saying. And I just feel miserable. And I, I just, I don't want to know. I just, right. And it kind of goes back to the first point. You can't save every pet. You can't save every breeder. You can't save them from themselves. They are going to think that they know more than you or they have some extra secret. I, I will say I, I dabbled a couple times and not even, 
in like the breeder groups, but just like uh, a local group where somebody was asking about a pet and the responses, I'm like, are you guys insane? Like, did you, um, okay. And they undermine your education. They undermine your experience. And I've, I've done it a few times and I left going, nobody read this. Nobody's mind changed. It's the same thing on your personal page with politics or mm -hmm. news going on, no matter what your opinion is, you didn't change anybody's mind. You're not going to change anybody's outlook, but especially breeder groups. I hear that they're crazy. Just stay away. Just yeah, stay away. I, I'm with that. And, and, and let me throw this out now and say, I think that breeder groups, just like people posting about politics, I think that most people are normal, good people. I think the loudest, most outrageous group gets all uh, all the airtime on Squeaky social media. Squeaky gets the cheese, right? Oh, the, it, well, it's just if somebody has got this really outrageous position, or if there's someone who just they're really emotional about it, and we know this from social media is that emotional posts get more engagement, and so the 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 posts that you will see are the ones where people are fighting and they're emotional and yeah. like you don't see all the normal people and they just don't get the attention. The ones that do get the attention are the people who are, are, are maybe not rational and normal. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Like I just, I, I end up feeling used up and I, I don't feel like I've changed anyone's minds or attitudes. And I just, I just don't have the emotional bandwidth for it. You know, we do at the clinic I yeah. do not need to come home and, and, and give this. And you're right. It goes right back to the first part of like personal boundaries. Like you can't save yep. all the pets. I love that analogy. You can't save all the pets. You can't win the arguments on social media. You can't change all the minds. I just, mm -hmm. and I just, I'm being honest. Like there's a lot of people like we need to be there and I hear what they're saying. And I think that's virtuous. I, I just can't, I just can't be there. Like I just, it's, oh. it's not fun for me. No, I, I've never had an experience where I felt like I changed somebody's mind. And then going back to all the time, all that uh, energy that you use could have been saved to relax and then work on the clients that you do see that the animals that you can change, you know, spend oh, the time doing that. Oh yeah. Oh, it's, it's, to yeah, exactly. And it, <laughs> it, it tanks me for the day too. My kids come in like, daddy, I'm like, go away. <laughs> the strangers about their dog food <laughs> this is important stuff congratulations on your award at school now leave and, and you just did it for free oh totally, i yeah. mean come on like that's free advice that they're probably not going to take <laughs> do it on the clock people give your advice on the clock okay don't oh, do yeah. social media groups at work okay let's let's put that in there but <laughs> yeah um so so, um, so speaking of, of giving your advice, one, one of your other ones was don't tell distant relatives and acquaintances your profession. Okay. I've got a specific story on this. Okay. My best friend's mom called me who I don't talk like, I mean, I maybe talked to her on Facebook, but you know, I've been my best friend and I I've been friends with her since first grade. I've known her mom since first grade. Like it's fine, but she literally called me out of the blue and said, Jada, um, hang on, this is my friend. And all of a sudden she was gone and there was somebody else on the phone that wanted to discuss. And, and they live in like, I live in Arizona. They live in like Louisiana. And we're like, okay, my dog had an ultrasound and they found this. What do you oh, think? Yeah. And I was like, okay, I think that I'm not a vet. 
I think that I don't know your dog. <laughs> I think that you need to go talk to oh, him. Yeah. So it's funny because, you know, it, it happened quite a bit. The people would out of the blue text me and I personally don't care, but there comes this point where you're like, I appreciate that you came to me. I appreciate people seeking out advice, but you got to be careful who you tell. You got to be careful who you give your phone number out to, who you're willing to talk to for hours on end. And you got to get used to that. Maybe you should go talk to your vet quote. Oh yeah. There was a, um, there was a guy that cut my hair for a couple of years and he did great haircuts and he was very affordably priced, but he would get me into the chair and then shake me down for advice the whole time. And I mean, the whole time and just, over years, I built steady resentment to the point that finally I was like, like, I, I'm not going back. I just, I just <laughs> can't. Um, I just, wow. you know, I just got so tired of it. And then I went to another place and the first day they're like, as soon as you get in the chair, they're like, what do you do? And I was like, I'm a vet. And then they just started right in with, oh, well, I have a cat that. And so my personal hell is being trapped in a, uh, in a barber shop. Uh, you know, with the drape on and people, <laughs> you just, can't move. Uh, you can't move. You can't leave. They got like scissors next to your eye and, and they're just like, tell me about the cat food that I'm feeding and, and let's discuss this. And, oh, uh, it, yeah. you know, it, it, it drives me nuts. And so that, that whole, <laughs> what do you do for a living? You're I, like, I'm a car salesman. I sell insurance and I'm really at it. Um, <laughs> But mm. it, it, yeah, it'll it'll make you nuts. Mm-hmm. So, um, don't bring your baggage. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this is a hard one, and and again, for anybody, um, a lot of people I think come into the clinic with all the stuff they've dealt with at home, personal life stuff, uh, and I've seen this being taken out on other. Um, coworkers and other members of the team when you've got something really intense going on at home and you bring it in and you know uh, I myself have been called a plethora of dirty names or accused of things and I'm sitting here going I'm pretty sure that's not true and I think I think that that was one of the potential things that was happening um, and you get to know some of your coworkers and you get to know like what they have to deal with when they go home. And so it's hard. Like I, I've definitely, I'm guilty as charged. I've brought stuff in and where you get through half of the day and you know, you're making mistakes, you're, you're not with it. And sometimes, yeah, I mean, nowadays it's okay to ask for a mental health day. And maybe that's what somebody needs. Someone needs to ask that, you know, back when I first started 11 years ago, I don't really recall people doing that or asking for that. So um, me personally, I was never one to, I think the last day I ever called in to a clinic was like in 09. Um, I I've always been one that I'll at least start a shift, but I've definitely been to the point where I'm like, Oh, I am having a bad day. And I would always, if, if that were me, what I would do is try to make sure I could get everything done as much as possible and say, I need a timeout. Maybe yeah. you just need an extra long lunch or you need to go home. But um, I try not to make that habitual, but I think you got to find a way to leave some of the extra stuff you deal with 
at the door, figure out how to just let it go when you're at work, because you are going to lash out at people. You're going to make mistakes and you're not going to be, you know, in the game. And that's not very fair to your coworkers. It's not very fair to the pets either. Yeah. It's easy to do because like for most of us, our friends are our coworkers and those worlds bleed together. So there's not like this clear line of like, here's my personal life and here's my professional life. Most of us, if we hang out with our friends who work with us, you know, after work and they know our spouses or they know what we're going through, it just feels really normal to bring that personal stuff into the vet clinic. Absolutely. I, I definitely I definitely see how that happens. You know, I th- I think that this is the flip side to the worrying problem. So I think like when we focus on the future, we worry about it, right? We're 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 worried about what's coming and what's going to happen and oh my god, what if this happens and what if things get bad? Well, the flip side of that is thinking about the past and what happened last night and what's going on at home now that we're at the the practice. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And so it it's those I just think it's funny to think about those things as two sides of a coin of like I, some of us spend a lot of time thinking about what, what happened last night, what happened yesterday, what we're going through back at home, as opposed to what we're doing right now. And others of us, and this is the one camp I fall into, spend more time thinking about what's going to happen in the future, even though we can't control it, as opposed to thinking about what we're doing right now. So I I think a lot of us wrestle with that, but bringing the baggage in, you know, it's hard because we say to our friends like, Oh dude, I, I support you. And I want to support you. And at the same time, I'm like, Hey, look, we really got to get through these appointments and yeah. I need you to put that stuff away and get on your game. Yep. Absolutely. Um, take your boss for granted. <laughs> it's a hard one to write. I mean, um, I, I, I've had really great bosses and really could have done better bosses. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think we all um, had, could have done better bosses. But one of the first ones I had, I think that a lot of the either miscommunication or the grappling that he had with the team was because he wore too many hats. And I think sometimes we forget as techs um, or even just our managers too, all the different things they're trying to accomplish in a day. And if, you know, we're not happy with their um, response to us or we had a bad communication or whatever the case may be. I think sometimes we forget what other 50,000 things they're working on. Like they may cut us off short, but that's because they've got this bigger meaning that we don't know about, or, you know, they've got a, a client coming in that's, that's making them worry and we don't really know about it. So I think sometimes we kind of take them for granted and, think that they should just be go with the flow and maybe they've got more on their plate than we realize. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's this stuff is hard. It's, it's everybody's fighting a battle. We don't know anything about. And I feel like the bosses are in a unique position to, to really rain on people's day, you know, mm-hmm. and, and if that makes any sense, so it's, it's, it's so often like, like what you're saying of, when someone comes in and they so they're a client, right? And they come in and they're just crappy to the tech or they're crappy to the front desk. At the front desk or as a tech or even as a doctor, we say, I can't believe that person would say that about me. And why would they do that to me? And the truth is that was not about you at all. That was Absolutely. about that was about them and their stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times the bosses have it's about them and it's about their stuff. And as the employee, we get we get crapped on or we feel crapped on. Um, I I think that I, I I just think putting that out is is good. A lot of times they're fighting battles we don't know anything about, and we catch the brunt of it. Um, and that's not fair to us. And I'm not saying that's okay. But I think cutting them some slack and saying, well, this person is. They're struggling. I I don't know. I, I think that I think that's a healthy way to look at it. Yeah. And I've I've had some really amazing managers that were able to go in between like the doctor owner. Um, I've had a couple where I could I could really vent to them and I, I missed that, like in future clinics that I worked at where I actually had a really good uh go between. So I think I had a little inspiration on that one. Like uh just just kind of some are just really incredible and amazing and I definitely never took them for granted. And then you get into a new spot or a new position and you're like, where is that person? Where is, you know, that go between. And then you're kind of directly dealing with um, a boss or a manager that maybe you're not quite getting along with. And it's, it's just really tough sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I think that's, I think that's something that is going to feel familiar for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Cool. So pass up the veterinary convention. That's, I, I don't thought, know who does that either. What'd you say? I thought it was an interesting choice. I, that yeah. was one I was like, oh, okay. I see that. Well, I don't know because I feel like it goes hand in hand with the vacation thing. But if you have access to go to a convention, why would you pass that up? I don't right. know. Those are the best. Those are like the some of the best memories I have when I was directly in the field is um, I've been to small little ones within the state. Um and I've been to NAVC, one of the biggest ones ever. So, mm-hmm. I, if you ever pass that up, I mean, you got to you got to tell me why because those are some of the most fun times. I mean, besides educational, all the free stuff that you can get, all the contacts you can make with people, the fun times. I mean, the best part. For for me, the training is really about feeling like you're going somewhere. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. None of us want to. None of us want to be in a job where you just, you know, like today is the same as tomorrow, is the same as next month, the same as next year. Like, I think, I think that's scary. I, I don't know. That scares me. I don't want to be in a place where this is my life and it'll be my life forever going forward. I, I want to feel like I'm growing and I'm getting better. And I think a lot of times, if we pass up those training opportunities, or Hey bosses, I'm talking to you. If we don't give our staff the opportunity to get those opportunities, it doesn't have to be going to a convention necessarily, but if they don't feel like they're learning and they're growing, mm-hmm. you're much more likely to lose them because they just they're not going to feel fulfilled in their work. They're not going to feel like they're going forward. And it seems like all the techs I've worked with, they've all been in, they've all had like a very specific interest like whether it's rehab or i like the laboratory or i love client communication whatever little specific thing really spoke to them they would love to go to a conference and and get into that room on that topic and learn more and be even better at that so um i've always found them extremely fascinating and I mean, I always left pumped up and like, let's do more. Let's, mm-hmm. let's go further. Um, but yeah, I mean, who wants to just kind of stay stagnant? I don't. Right. And, and even in now my new career as writing, 
I still go and learn and do other things and do things better. And so, you know, my world's a little bit smaller than medicine, but you, you can't, you can't continue to do the same thing over and over and over and not grow. And that's just an easy place to grow, but it's also fun. I mean, yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. It's also so much fun. And well, that, that people should be reminded that, that what we do is fun. Like there should be fun parts, mm-hmm. you know, of the profession. You, you should, you should, you should get that enjoyment. For me, it's about it's it's kind of about energy management too. Like you said, like you leave feeling recharged and energized, and you know, I I, I think that I think that that's important. Uh, even beyond just the the education, I think if you stick someone in front of a computer screen and make them watch training videos, that's not the same thing okay. as them going and being with other techs or being with other doctors and talking to colleagues and and sort of just engaging in a way that's not direct work. Right. Absolutely. And the last one we'll we'll sort of hit on, um, and there's a couple more on here. I'm going to leave them for people to to find, and we'll link to the article in the the description of the podcast. But the last one is, uh, don't forget about your support staff. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's the same thing about, like, the bosses, too. Um, your front staff, your assistants, whoever else you're working with, um, they provide a lot to the team. I don't know. I mean, I know some techs have to be receptionists as well, but if you've ever worked at a place where you didn't have to do that role and then one day you're thrown into it, you're like, oh my gosh, they have to do all this? (laughs) Like, I'm horrible at scheduling. Like, I remember trying (laughs) to learn to do, like, grooming scheduling. Oh my gosh. I, I just... I can't, I can't. And so I I always appreciated the amount of knowledge they have. And it's so, uh, what's the word? Like, it's so variable, like Mm -hmm. depending on what kind of dog and what kind of groomer and all that. So, I mean, real big kudos to people who schedule for grooming. I know that was one of my biggest headaches ever doing that, but just in general, uh, they provide so much extra support that if they're gone for a day, you'll notice. Oh gosh, yeah. That that's yeah. exactly it. Is when they're when they're gone, you go, Oh, I didn't realize <laughs> how much I depended on this person. Absolutely. It's so easy to we all get focused on what we're doing and you let those things kind of slide away. And it's like, no, that that needs to be something we remind ourselves of regularly is the people around us are making our lives so much better and just, just being appreciative and and having gratitude for them. I think that's so important. Yep. I agree. Well, Jada, thanks for getting on and talking through this with me. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was great. So you do, uh, you do a lot of copywriting. You help people with, uh, with websites, you do social media work, you do all that kind of stuff, content creation. You obviously got a deep background, the knowledge of veterinary medicine. If somebody wanted to work with you for some writing work or website work or social media stuff, where would they find you? They could shoot me an email. Sure. And, <laughs> and that, that, it is. that, that, that it's my name, Jada Lewis, J-A-D-A-L-E-W-I-S 507 at gmail.com. Yeah, it's an interesting name, Jada Lewis 507. Your parents were, were very progressive people <laughs> yes. when they yes. named <laughs> Cool. Well, thanks again for everything. I'll hope to talk to you again soon. That sounds good. Take care. 
And that was our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed Jada. She really is incredible. If you're someone out there who's looking for some social media help, if you're looking for some writing help, some copywriting help, things like that, reach out to her. She's really amazing. She knows our industry. She's a CVT. She's also wonderful to work with. Uh, So take a look at that. Guys, if you have topics you'd love for me to cover, shoot me an email. It's podcast at drandyrourke.com. That's podcast at drandyrourke.com. And I will be happy to try to work something up for you. So anyway, gang, have a wonderful, wonderful week. And I hope to see you soon.